Welcome to FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon features founding pastor Ken Werline, and it was recorded on Sunday, January 9th. Thanks for tuning in. We'd love the chance to connect with you, so drop us a line at podcast at faithbridge.org. If you're in the area, join us this Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi. And you can always join us for FaithBridge online at faithbridge.org slash live. Here's Ken. Amen. Well, hey, Happy New Year. So glad that you are here, especially on this Ministry Expo Sunday. Hope that you had some some good time off. I guess you're back to school now and back to work as we have been. But hopefully you had a little rest time. We did, and it was all going just great as we were packing to head to Colorado when 20 minutes before we were to leave for the airport, one of our boys walked in and said, you know, I have got the worst sore throat. And I said, no. And he said, yes. (laughs) And you know, that's probably why I had an excruciating headache yesterday. And I said, double no. Could your timing be more Shakespearean? We're supposed to be going to the airport right now. Suzanne said, calm down, let's just pray. She said, so, so we sat down and we just prayed and said, God, you have to give us wisdom. And God did give us wisdom for sort of a revised plan than what we were expecting right then. And I say that because I bet any of you who are parents, whether you're online today, welcome, whether you're in person today, welcome. I bet any of you who are parents, you've had to have some split second decisions made in your own life. When something comes up, it just doesn't go the way that it was supposed to go, right? That's parenting. And while I'm thinking of parenting, I, I just want to give a shout out to all the single parents. Because I just got to tell Suzanne and I say often, hats off to those. I mean, look at you. You're here. You got the kids up. You got them dressed. You're doing it by yourself. And that's amazing. And some of you grandparents, you've been tapped in uh, in this generation, maybe more than a long time to fill some gaps. Shout out to you grandparents for your parenting. And then I think of uh, families who have some special needs among the children And I bet if you're in that category, you would know exactly what my friend Larry Osborne means when he writes, a little Tourette's, Asperger's, ADHD, or even a simple case of stubbornness can make even the best of homes look worthy of a CPS visit from time to time, right? You get that. And some of you, you have children who've who've rebelled off. They've gone away from you, maybe away from God. And you worry about them and you feel distance from them. Don't give up on them. Let's keep praying. God's not done yet. But parenting, it's it's not for the faint of heart, is it? And uh, I say that because that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. For though our text uh, says more today than just some tips on parenting, it certainly gives us as much is that. And so I'm excited about today because we're going to begin this new series that we've been talking about where we're going to spend the whole year of 2022 working through the book of Luke. 
in the New Testament. And so why don't you take your Bibles, we'll go to Luke chapter 2, and if you need a Bible, you want to borrow one, just wave at one of the ushers, and um, you can feel free to keep that Bible if you need a Bible, it's our gift to you, all right? So um, uh, let me just say, while you're turning there to Luke, um, a few words of orientation about this gospel, that It's just kind of good to know, well, who was this guy, Luke? Was he one of the 12 disciples? No. And he wasn't Jewish. In fact, he's the only author in the New Testament who wasn't Jewish. He was a Greek man who came to trust in Christ and would later become a companion of the apostle Paul. But he was, by training, a physician. So he was the good doctor, Luke. And he undertook to write this account, this gospel, telling the stories of Jesus, it would appear because of this guy named Theophilus, which begs the question, well, who was Theophilus? Theophilus, scholars believe, was a Roman man who was a convert to Christianity who probably had a lot of money. And he wanted to understand more about this Christian faith into which he had stepped. And so he commissions Luke. He says, I want to hire you to sort of be my private investigator. It's only been a few years since Jesus left, and so I want you to go back. I want you to get first-hand accounts. I want you to do interviews, and I want you to give me a good account of Jesus' life because I want to have it right, and it'll help me grow in my faith, and then maybe I can get the, the, the message circulated after you write it. And so this is a little behind the scenes of why Luke was writing this gospel, And we'll jump over chapters 1 and 2. We'll save those for next December when we go into the birth narrative of of Christmas and Advent. We're going to start in today on Luke chapter 2, which is a fascinating passage because it's the only scene that we have in the whole Bible that draws back the curtains just a little bit and lets us look into Jesus in his adolescence and see him when he was a boy. And you figure that the source... Luke must have interviewed was surely Mary. And you'll see why as we go through the text. She's probably the only one who could have told him this story herself. Kind of wish you, makes you wish that he, he'd have given us a few more of those kind of stories, but apparently this is all we need. One more bit of background, then we're going to read it. And that is, what we're going to see is Jesus has just turned 12. And you have to understand in Judaism, that was a very significant age. Still is. Boys are bar mitzvahed today. They didn't have that celebration exactly back then, but 12 was a big year because everyone knew when you're 12, you've moved into that transitional year. The year between 12 and 13 is when we're going to train you how to be an adult. And when you come back at 13, young man, you're going to have all of the responsibilities put upon you of adulthood. And so the year of 12 moving to 13 was important because... What was happening is fathers would draw near to their sons and they would say, now we really have to do a lot of apprenticing and mentoring. I've got to teach you my trade. In, in Joseph's case, carpentry. And, and we're going to talk more about things of faith and, and Jerusalem and the temple. It gives you some extra layers of religious education this year so that you can understand why we do what we do as Jewish followers. And so this is the background that you have to understand as as we go into this text because you picture Joseph walking around Jerusalem this week of the Passover feast 
and just talking to him and telling him, now let me tell you about this and let me tell you this story and father to son. Now with that background, let's read. In verse 41, Luke 2. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to their custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. And thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everybody who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. But when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus replied, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Now, the most obvious question when you look up is, how the heck did these parents get a whole day away from Jerusalem without realizing Jesus is with them. What kind of negligence is that? Now, you have to understand, we travel today in family units, a family of four, we're gonna get the airplane, you know, the family of five, you know, we travel in family units. Back then they didn't travel as families, they traveled as villages, whole villages caravaned together. Why? Because there were robbers. And if you have more people, you're going to be safer. You read about the robbers when we get to the story of the Good Samaritan. And, and so they, they would travel in this pack. And specifically what would happen is the ladies would get up, get the kids dressed, and they would head out first. The men would hit the snooze button a few times and drink a few extra cups of coffee and watch Sports Center a time or two. And then they'd finally get up and get dressed and hit the road. And since everybody knows, since the foundations of the world, men have always been wired innately to ask one question on road trips, and that question is, are we making good time? Yes. The men didn't have to have bathroom stops. That's always the problem if you're trying to make good time. And they would catch up with the ladies uh, throughout the day, by midday, certainly by evening, when it was time to pitch camp for the night. And so now with this background, you can understand, oh, okay, so... Mary thought Jesus is with the men now. Joseph thought, no, Jesus is still with the kids and the moms. So this is how, how it happens. But, you know, they get there, they meet up, and they're like, he's not with, no, I thought he was with you. Now, any of us who are parents, we've had those moments, maybe at Costco or H-E-B, even if just for 30 seconds, right? It's frightening. It's like, where's the kid? And this is the feeling that they're having, but they're in a bit more of a predicament than perhaps many of us have ever been. They've already traveled a whole day's journey from Jerusalem. And you can't go back at night. The whole village isn't going to go back. They might find some friends that will go with them to beef up their pack. But they're not going to set out at night. So don't you know that they were lying sleepless that night? before they head out the next day, get to Jerusalem for the second night where they're lying sleeplessly before finally sun up 
on the third day when they hit Jerusalem, hollering, Jesus, Jesus, where are you, son? And they come around the corner, and there he is in the temple courts, having conversations, learning, asking good questions, higher level questions. These weren't like basic sort of questions. They're higher level, and the teachers of the law are like, who is this kid? He is impressive. Talk about a spiritually precocious young man here. And Mary, not the slightest bit impressed, not the slightest bit inclined to say, I'm so proud of you, honey, having these higher level conversations. She goes up and she said, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I, we have anxiously been searching for you. And behind those words, now with what you understand, you know that she was also thinking, particularly this year, son, we have expectations of you. This is the year you're becoming a man. This is the year that you're going to be near your father and you're going to be learning from him and mentoring with him and apprenticing. You can't just go off all by yourself. Of all the years, Jesus, how could you do this to us? And Jesus says, in verse 49, Mama, that's exactly where I've been and what I've been doing. I've been right here in my father's house, learning from him more clearly than I've ever heard why I'm here and what my calling is. Now, for those of you who like to take notes, here's the first of three things I'd want you to jot down. The first of three observations, it's this. Moms and dads, you and I, we've got to realize we're going to be the parents God's calling us to be. You've got to realize your child is not really your child. Didn't you know, he says, I had to be in my father's house. Now, this is a really interesting thing that Luke is doing with the word father, because everybody wonders, when did Jesus begin to realize, I am Messiah? This is my calling, and I have supernatural power and abilities, and when did that happen? Well, Luke is signaling to us something of an awareness and awakening is happening right here at the age of 12, because he takes that word when she says, you should be with your father, and me. He says, but I have been. He takes the word and he applies it. I have been. Don't you know I had to be in my father's house? But strangely, Mary says in verse 50, well, not Mary, but Luke's just telling us, but they didn't understand. What are you talking about? And that's kind of funny when you think about it. Because you, if, 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 if you're like I am, you, you'd want to say, Mary, Wait a second. I know it's been 12 years. But didn't an angel show up to you one night? And what was his name? Yeah, that's right, Gabriel. And what did she tell, what did he tell you that night? I was going to be pregnant. Right. And was it a normal pregnancy? No, not the slightest bit. And Joseph, you had your own angelic visit, did you not? Yes. And what did the angel tell you in that dream? that she is a virgin and that I should marry her and that I shouldn't call it off. Right! But clearly, they'd forgotten. 
this child was never really their child. And friends, neither is yours. Neither are mine. It's easy to forget that though, isn't it? When we're parenting. Because we get so caught up in what's going on and we see them so often and we see what they could be and where they're messing up and how we help. And we begin to look at them like we look at our money, our possessions, our jobs, our health, our popularity, our fame. And our kids are right in there. So it's mine. To which the Lord reminds us, no, that's not true at all. It's all mine, God says. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it belongs to him. What does that make us then? That makes us the steward. God says, I'm gonna give you this amount of money. I'm gonna give you this job. I'm gonna give you this child or children. And they don't belong to you, they belong to me. But I'm gonna ask you to help me. I'm gonna ask you to be the steward of these things for a season or decades for your whole life here on earth. But we forget that, don't we? In the, in the heat of the moment, the tension of, of, of parenting. But we can't delude ourselves, friends. You're not the owner. I'm not the owner. Because every good and perfect gift comes from above. My mom, even back when she was in her 20s and had me, she had a moment of clarity where she got this. She told me the story any number of times growing up where she said, I was holding you in my arms in the hospital room and just in a private moment, I just, I looked up to God after looking at you and, and I said, Lord, this is not my boy. He's your boy. He's not mine. You've given him to me to raise, but he's yours. Now, I suppose there were probably a few times when I was a teenager and a little bit snarky, she was inclined to pray, Lord, this is not my boy. He's yours. You gave him to me. <laughs> but even then, when we pray prayers like that, moms and dads, it is freeing, isn't it, to realize as much as we love him, as much as we love her, he loves him even more. Mary and Joseph, they had to remember he's never really been our child. Which leads to the second thing Luke's telling us. Even as Jesus had a calling, he had to figure out and understand and come into a clarity about, second thing, your primary role, moms and dads, is to help your child discover God's call for his life or her life. Jot down uh, Proverbs 22.6. You remember that one? Train up the child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Now, a lot of us, unfortunately, have tended to misconstrue that text and sort of twist it to say something it's not really saying. A lot of us tend to have been taught that verse and said, well, you know, if I train up a child in the way he should go, walking with God and everything, he won't depart from it. It'll always, even if he goes on and lives like hell, he'll come back because God's on the hook. I did my part, and so he'll bring him back. That's not really what the verse says. It doesn't say anything about bringing him back. 
It doesn't ever say anything about coming back. It says he'll not depart from it. Now, any of us who have prodigals who have gone off, the good news is many times after much prayer and fasting, God does bring them back. And so there is hope and we persevere through tears and through prayer. But what this verse is saying in the original Hebrew what the author is saying when he's saying, train up a child in the way he should go, he's saying, you've got to figure out, you've got to work on discovering what is your child uniquely wired to do? What are his gifts? What are her talents and abilities and passions? And you've got to figure out those and help him and her figure out those, encourage those and lean into those because that probably is why God gave it so there's something coming down the pike you've got to help get him on the path to use those gifts and those abilities that God has put within your child in other words if you send some music you know kiddo you're musical don't roll your eyes and say well you, you can't make a living off of that that's a dumb thing let's move on it no Let's, let's, let's go with that. Let's figure out, well, let's get you some lessons. Or maybe you got an athlete. It, say, well, let's get you some coaching. Or maybe you got a little academician who d- loves to do extra homework and even volunteers to do the science projects that aren't required. And if so, that's amazing. You got a little, a little academician. And the world needs children like yours who will be equipped with the gospel, with Jesus, to go into circles that are musicians, into circles that are athletic, into circles that are academicians, to be light shining there. Maybe that's why your child has been gifted that way. Don't throw the wet blanket on it, but figure out how can I help this child become who I think maybe God has called him or her to be. But here's what we do. If we're not careful, we try to put the kid into our mold. And we say, well, I've got plans for your life. And this ain't what the plan is. And I can tell you, I experienced that firsthand. See, I was musical, I still am, uh, growing up. And uh, gratefully, my parents always encouraged that. And they said, sure, we'll sign you up, we'll do whatever, drive me to the things that I need to com- compete, competitions and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, but I can tell you firsthand I had to endure so many piano recitals for two years listening to little children clonk out notes that had no business being there. It was like purgatory. And I wanted to stand up and tell the moms, train up a child in the way he or she should go. And this ain't it. I can tell you, he ain't got it. Let's figure out what he is good at. And I've seen dads do that too. Dad, dads who say, you gotta play. We're gonna get you on the field. And we're going to play sports. And the kid's like, I'm not an athlete. I don't like sports. I like building rockets and robots. And don't do that. Doesn't make him feel good about himself. Doesn't make the team feel any better or act or, or perform any better. Figure out a way that, that, that your child should go. Look at how God's wired him and, and move him forward so he won't depart from those ways. I, uh, I know the question then arises, well, okay, how do I do it? How do I figure out what's the way that he should go? Well, look at the way that Jesus grew. Verse 52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with others. What's Luke telling us? He's saying he grew mentally, 
wisdom, physically, stature, spiritually, favor with God, emotional, relational, socially, favor with others. That's a four-quadrant circle that, that I've worked with. I was shown that when I was a child, and, and I've used that for decades as, as sort of my template for how am I growing? And in this season, what is it that you want me to do? And Pastor Wayne, our executive pastor, he sent out this, this template that, that uh, before the Christmas holidays, and he said to our whole staff, hey, this could be a good exercise for you and your family over the holidays, just reflecting on kind of what your goals are to, to figure out how would you want to be growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and favor with others. And, 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 and I like adding on financial because I, I think it's important to teach kids about giving and saving and spending and principles that probably nobody else is going to teach them. And, and, and so here's the great thing about having a template like that. Um, I, I gave it to my boys the week after Christmas and I said, okay, I want you guys to be working on this. Suzanne's working on hers. I'm working on mine. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to share. So we got the, the, the sparkling cider in our champagne glasses and we all sat down on New Year's Eve and, and one by one, all of us went through saying, okay, this is kind of where I feel like God's calling me to grow physically, spiritually, emotionally. And, and we all went through and it's, it's, don't get too impressed. I mean, there's a lot of laughter and giggling and farting and, you know, these sorts of things. And so, you know, but we're making progress. And we would celebrate. Here's what, and now I've got those hanging on my whiteboard in my office so that throughout this semester, I can say, hey, son, remember, this is kind of what you said that you felt like God was saying. Let's, let's go in this direction. How are we doing on that? And by the way, I think we have that template. Can you put that up? Yeah, so you can take your phone out if you want. You can take a, a, a shot of it. You could do this with your family. And, and it just makes for a, a great little way of growing the way that Jesus grew and setting out some goals for yourself and letting your kids sort of work those out so that you can encourage that as well. And we'll put it as a hyperlink on the, on the sermon too, and that way you can, you can, you can print it out at home if, if you want to do that. I remember that my dad, uh, any number of times, he and I would have conversation about what do you think I'm going to be when I grow up? And he would characteristically, predictably say things like, well, you know, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer like me, you could be a, a businessman and blah, blah, blah. But he would always say this interesting thing at the end. He would always say, but if you ever felt like the Lord was calling you into full-time ministry, you'd really have to take uh, serious time to consider that one. Because he said, there's no higher, finer call than the call from God to be in full-time ministry. When I look back, I, I'm so grateful that my dad didn't try to force me to be a lawyer like him. And I had some friends whose dads did. I think his encouragement, seeing something of a spiritual uh, uh, awareness in me even in, in young years inclined him to say what he said which made me all the more able at age 20 was I was a summer youth intern at a church to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit say this is what I put you here on earth to do friends 
our job as parents is to help our children to figure out here's what your calling is. Not to try to force them to fit into what our hopes would be, what we wish we hadn't done and would do if we could do it all over. No, it's to pay attention and say, okay, now God help me to speak words of life into my children. Because God wants to speak to your kids. God wants to speak to our young people. I absolutely believe that to the core of my being. And I think that's why Luke put this 12-year-old episode in here for us that nobody else bothered to give us. Because adolescence really is one of God's very best seasons to work in the human heart developmentally. And that's why we prioritize here at FaithBridge running a thriving um, college internship program for dozens of interns who come. And that's why we put so much of the offerings that you generously give. Thank you for your generosity. And so much of that goes to finding and hiring the best children's ministry staff that we can find, the best FaithBridge youth ministry staff that we can find, the best road ministry staff. And speaking of the road, I think they mentioned it earlier, but I would want to make sure that you understand what the road is because the big kickoff is tonight. The road is our our youth missions effort. And we send out in this church, if you're new, somewhere around 350 youth each summer on one of 35 trips for seven to 10 days. And I'm telling you kids come back and I can say it from first in experience with my own. They come back transformed. Because they went into a different culture. If it's downtown in Houston for the young ones, or if it's abroad for the high schoolers. But tonight's the big kickoff, and I'm telling you, you should, you absolutely must come. It's when people say, what are the top three exciting things that happen? I'd say Christmas Eve, Easter, and the road kickoff. It's like Saturday Night Live. It's a show. It's funny. And then they draw us in, and then they tell us about the trips that are going to be announced that night. And then the kids pick up their applications, and they can start applying, and they have to turn them in in two weeks. I mean, it's, it's really something significant. And I just believe so passionately that God is doing something among our youth. And I don't want you parents to throw um, a wet blanket on it. I want you to encourage it because I fully believe that as many as 25% of our young people might very well be being called by God to pursue careers in full-time ministry. Maybe at a church, maybe in some other sort of ministry or parachurch. But imagine the good that could come. And the gospel that would go out with that many people who were trained here in the ways of the Lord about Jesus. I want you to encourage that. Come back and be a part of what's happening tonight. I need to go ahead and move towards a landing. Third thing, keep Jesus always in your presence. That's our third and final thing for today. Saddest verse in this whole passage is verse 44. Did you see it? Thinking he was in their midst, it says. Thinking he was in their midst. They went on for a day. Mary thinking, well, he's with Joseph. Joseph thinking, well, he's with Mary. But they weren't. They were both wrong. They both moved on without him. And it's easy for us to do that, isn't it, families? Isn't it, parents? We get busy, stress of work and these sorts of things, and we can go a day or two without devotions. 
without family time or prayer or being in church and that day or two turns into a week or two, turns into a month or two, turns into a year or two until finally a person begins to say, you know, it just doesn't feel right. What has changed? Could it be that you moved on without Jesus? If he's not in your presence, it's not that he packed up and left. It's that you packed up and you went on without him like Mary and Joseph. But even as they went back for him, you can come back. And that's why we have the, the ministry expo that we have today, which is a, a, a great opportunity for, for you. You're going to be given one of these here in a minute when you go out. And, and it's kind of this menu that just says, here's all the ministries that you could consider for yourself, for grow groups and serve teams and, and for your kids. And, and I've told you about the big one, the road that's tonight. That's kind of the big kickoff for that. You, I hope that when I dismiss you in a few minutes, you won't just go straight to your car but that you would actually go over to, to, to the other room, the Cinecourt East room, hello, in the communion venue, they'll be outside your room in that atrium. That's where the displays are set up because we thought it looked like it was going to rain. And actually kick the tires, talk to some people, pick up some information and let's get you plugged in. There's never a better time than a new season. And this is a new season. And I just firmly believe to the core of my being that God wants to do a great spiritual work in our lives in 2022. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to send you out and I want you to get plugged in. Let's pray. Now, God, won't you speak to us? Thanks for uh, the jobs you give to all of us, certainly for those of us who are parenting or filling parenting roles is not easy, but you give us the grace that we need, even as you did to Mary and to Joseph. Help us, God, to be the people that you want us to be. And if you're here and you, you want to learn more about following Jesus and inviting him into your heart, I'm going to be up front afterwards and others will too. And I would invite you, just come. And let us talk with you. If you need prayer for anything, you come as well. And otherwise, Lord, won't you work through us and in us now as we go. In Jesus' name.